You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to be talking about anatomy. So we're going to do an anatomy review for the hips. And we're just going to be focusing on the sagittal plane today. So we're going to do hip flexion and hip extension. Now, we're looking at not just the joint action. What I want to focus on in this anatomical review is what are the hip flexors and what are the hip extensors? And we usually specify hip extensors and we say, oh, the the glutes or the hamstrings. But when it comes to hip flexors, a lot of times we just go hip flexors. <laughs> and you have to know that hip flexors, that it's, it's a joint action. Hip flexion is a joint action. So what muscles do that? And I think we just kind of take it for granted sometimes by saying hip flexors and as if that that's a muscle. And it's not. It's a it's not a muscle. It's not two muscles, three muscles. There are a lot of muscles that do hip flexion. And there are quite a few that also do hip extension. So I want to get into it today and talk about it briefly. And then I'll let you go. So stick around for a few minutes and we'll talk about these things. So first of all, let's get into hip flexion. Hip flexion is if you were just standing on a single leg Uh, and you pulled the other leg up towards your chest, the bend in the front of your hip is hip flexion. It is the decrease in angle between two bones around the joint, and that's going to be in the sagittal plane. So the bones there would be the decrease in angle between the pelvis and the femur. So the hip joint is flexing. And there are two muscles that that are primarily what people think about when they think of the hip flexors and they are usually and often stuffed together into one muscle and sometimes referred to as the iliopsoas and it, and it's fine you can put those muscles together because they have a common tendon but the muscles are separated they have they have different uh, origins even though they have a common insertion point so the psoas which starts with the p so it's confusing if you see it and you see psoas, then that can throw you off. So just so you know, the psoas uh, does hip flexion and there's a psoas major and sometimes there's a psoas minor. Now, usually if there's a major, there is a minor. Pec major, pec minor, All right? Terry's major, Terry's minor. Here we have psoas major and in not everybody in the population, there is a psoas minor. So oftentimes we just say so as, and the origin is on those are between like the, the lumbar spine, basically. So it's proximal attachment, sometimes referred to as the origin. I like proximal attachment. The proximal attachment is on the front, the anterior of the lumbar spine. And so when you bend, you flex the hip, then it pulls directly on the spine. And that's why so often when you look at people with low back issues and used to it, the hamstrings are what's tight and it's always hamstrings. And then it turned into, it's always hip flexors. And that is an oversimplification, but it does make sense that as the hip flexors get tight, not only does it pull anteriorly, 
to create a greater arch in the lumbar spine, but it also compresses the lumbar spine. And through that compression, that can create some discomfort as well. So it makes sense that that might have a more significant effect on some or more people, especially due to being in a seated position, hip flexed, then that makes sense. Well, now we've got, so that's the, that's the psoas. And I'm not going deep dive really on any as, as, as thick as we're going to get. Then we got to look at the iliacus. So the iliacus is like a, a, a brother or a sister muscle for the psoas. And it is named after the bone that it aligns. So it is, it covers the inside of the ilium and therefore called the iliacus. And so that ilium, it's on the inside of it. So these are weird. Like if you've ever been to maybe physical therapy or something, they do a release on the psoas where they get their hands in and they go through the, the abdomen. I'm even going to, let me turn my camera down just a little bit. They'll go through the abdomen to, to get to the psoas. Well, the, the iliacus is even tougher because it's not on the outside because that's where the glutes are. It's going to be on the inside. So that's an even tougher muscle to try to, to get into. So it's a very hard. And even if they can get to it, you're only getting fingertip depth in there uh, to be able to release that muscle. So we often just look at it as stretches and we'll get to stretches in a moment. So the iliacus and the psoas, they're deep in the body. And then there's the tendon that runs over the front of the, the hip joint and attaches to the lesser trochanter of the femur, which is a bony notch on the, on the medial side of the femur. So actually, when you go into hip flexion, it creates a lateral or external rotation as well. So hip flexion, a little external rotation. This is going to be your psoas and iliacus. Let's move to the next muscle. So we're going to go into the next one, which is the rectus femoris or rectus femoris. And rectus means straight line and femoris femoris is on the bone. And a lot of muscles are defined by what bones they are on. It's clearly the iliacus on the ilium, the rectus femoris on the femur. So that muscle is the one, it's right in the center of the quads. It's the, it's the superficial quad muscle. It crosses over the front of the hip and it also crosses over the front of the knee. So if you were to, to sit there and then you just straighten your knee out and then go into more hip flexion, like a straight leg raise, a straight leg raise is rectus femoris crazy time right? Like as soon as you start going into that, the rectus fem is like, ah, it's also how you stretch that muscle. If you wanted to stretch your rectus femoris, you wouldn't just go into knee flexion and be hip flex. So you wouldn't pull your knee towards your chest and then bend your knee all the way because it doesn't really stretch anything. It stretches all the other quadricep muscles, the vastus lateralis, vastus medialis, vastus intermedius, because it stretches them but only when you pull the hip into hip extension does it stretch the anterior muscle with knee flexion. Does it stretch that rectus femoris? So doing the hip extension to stretch the vasti muscles is not really that helpful. It may feel like it because the rectus fem is connected to them fascially, so you might feel a bit more stretch. But uh, joint action-wise, it doesn't. 
So that's rectus femoris, but then we move on to another muscle that is a hip flexor. So right now we have the psoas, iliacus, rectus femoris, and now we've got the TFL, the tensor fascia lata. The TFL, if, if you were to go to your ASISs, the bony notches on the front of your ilium, and then just move laterally, move around, you would feel that muscle. One of the best ways to feel this muscle because this muscle is oftentimes very weak in a lot of people, but it's also highly overactive. So it's weak, but it wants to jump in and do work. So uh, one of the ways you can do that, it's got three primary joint actions. It's a hip flexor, because that's what we're talking about. It is an abductor in the hip, but it's also an internal rotator. So if you are standing or seated, you can just take your leg out in front of you, and so you're flexed, so now move it out to the side, you're abducted, internally rotate it, and now try to flex it up even higher. And you're gonna feel that muscle start working almost like a Charlie horse. You're gonna feel it cramping up on you. You can dig your thumb in there if you need to get it to calm down. But that muscle, what you felt right there, that is your TFL, your tensor fascia lata. So that is another hip flexor. And notice that the psoas and iliacus are external rotators. The TFL is an internal rotator of the femur. Well, we've got another uh, rotator of the external rotator of the femur here. We've got the longest muscle in the body. The longest muscle in the body is known, is called the sartorius. All right, are you with me? B-I-G, sartorius. So we got the sartorius muscles, that, that long muscle. It's got a circuitous root too as it starts to, to move through the body. So it goes from the top of the pelvis and then it go, it wraps around the, the from the lateral side of the thigh to the medial and then it goes almost behind the knee and then attaches to the front of the tibia. So it creates a lot of movement. It's an internal rotator of the tibia. It's a flexor of the knee. It is a hip flexor and it is also a hip lateral rotator and abductor. That's a lot of words and I apologize for that. What does it really do? The sartorius muscle, if you know what a sartorius is, a sartorial is a tailor. So the tailor muscle is a tailor would often cross one leg over the other and they would sew. And for the tailor, the sartorial, to do that, they would use the sartorius. It's called the tailor muscle, the sartorius. So it creates that leg cross where you put an ankle on top of one of your thighs and you've got this kind of figure four position. So that's the muscle, but it is a hip flexor. We also now have another group of muscles named for an entirely different joint action that also does hip flexion. And those are the adductors, the adductors. All of the adductors have the ability and the capacity for hip flexion. So uh, the adductors are gonna be the pectineus, adductor brevis, adductor longus, adductor magnus, anterior fibers only, and the gracilis. So uh, pectineus, brevis, longus, magnus, and gracilis. So I use the an acronym. So uh, here's a mnemonic for you. Peanut butter leaves me greasy. Peanut butter leaves me greasy. Peanut 
butter, peanut, pectineus, butter, brevis, leaves, longus, me, magnus, greasy, gracilis. That's one of the ways that I helped, uh, that I helped uh, remember the adductor muscles and all of those muscles will assist with hip flexion. Okay. So how do we stretch those muscles? One of the ways that we stretch those muscles in the, the psoas and the iliacus, you could do a standing hip flexor stretch, a kneeling hip flexor stretch. You can go into the Thomas test on the, the table, but it's very important if you want to focus on the psoas and iliacus that you internally rotate or at least keep the foot completely straight ahead. So if the foot straight ahead, the hip is neutral which means if those muscles are external rotators, relative that if your foot straight ahead, they're slightly uh, relative to external rotation, they're neutral, they're internally rotated. You could also internally rotate the hip a little bit. If you wanna do the rectus femoris stretch, you could do the standing, pull your foot back towards your butt to stretch. I suggest all of these, you're gonna go into a posterior pelvic tilt in order to get the stretch on every one of these stretches. The rectus femoris stretch, you could do a kneeling hip flexor stretch. And if you do that, you'd want to, uh, instead of keeping your laces and the top of your foot down on the floor, you're going to go up onto your toes. You're going to be dorsiflexed when you do the stretch. And that just bends the knee more. Some people, I see it a lot, they will do, they'll prop their back leg. If they're doing a kneeling hip flexor stretch, they might put their leg up on a box or up on a, um, a bench in order to get a little deeper rectus femoris stretch. It usually leads to a bit more anterior pelvic tilt in order to be able to stretch that. But if you can do it, you can do it. Just remember that posterior tilt is gonna get that stretch more at the hips. The TFL, you could do a external rotation. The problem with the TFL stretch in external rotation, so if you're doing a, a standing <clears throat> or kneeling hip flexor stretch, if you externally rotate, um, it just, it changes the line of pull where the the psoas, uh, the TFL is no longer in a position to be stretched because you're in a hip extension and the, the IT band has rolled over the greater trochanter of the femur and it doesn't allow for the stretch really. So you can do that stretch and for some people you'll be like, oh man, that's fantastic. For other people, what you might want to do is um, uh, an a stretch where you cross one leg over the other. So both of your legs are pointed straight ahead and you just cross one leg over the other and you push the knee away from you as it's crossed. It's, it's hard to explain if you're just listening, but I just want you to think about the, the sartorius where you're in a figure four, but that knee is probably out to the side. You wanna bring that knee where it's parallel. You want your femurs to be almost parallel and then push the crossed leg knee away from you into greater extension. And that tends to be a good stretch for the TFL. And now the adductors, an adductor stretch would be going into abduction because they're hip flexors. You're still going to want to do hip extension. So you're going to do a posterior pelvic tilt. You're going to have your hip extended while stretching your adductors. So you could do that in a standing position. If I'm standing and I want to stretch my right side, I may stand with my feet parallel and then I'm gonna move my, my right foot back about six inches, all right? So there should be about five to 10 degrees of hip extension, but it's also gonna rotate you. So <clears throat> posterior tilt and then keep your right leg straight. That's the side of the, we're stretching the adductors 
and you're just going to bend your left knee and you're going to slowly abduct as you're already hip extended, posteriorly tilted, and you should be able to get the anterior adductors to stretch in a standing adductor stretch with that posterior pelvic tilt. All right, so I think that, that, that those are beneficial and those are the list of the hip flexors that we're going through. So as iliacus, rectus femoris, TFL sartorius, and the adductors, the pectineus, adductor uh, brevis, longus, magnus, and the gracilis muscles. That's a lot of hip flexors and it's not just the psoas. There are a lot more hip flexors than that. But I think let's do a, a quick review of the hip extensors then. So, you know, if we're doing hip extension, we'd be talking about the big house. We got the gluteus maximus that we're going to be talking about. And that I would say would be your primary hip extensor, but it also sometimes depends on what you do, right? So your hip extensors are going to be great. For, I mean, your glute max are great hip extensors, but if you're doing like an RDL, then the Romanian deadlift or a slight bend in your knee where you're stretching the hamstrings. When you come back up out of that, it's going to be primarily a hamstring exercise. So the hamstrings are hip extensors. They're also knee flexors. They can rotate the hip. The biceps fem can laterally rotate the hip. The semi-sisters can medially rotate the hip. Same with the knee. The lateral hamstrings can laterally rotate the knee joint. Medial hamstrings medially rotate the knee joint. There's a lot of effect that goes into here. But just depending on what you do and how you implement it, you're going to get more focus on the hamstrings. So your hamstrings will be uh, a greater component of the hip extension if you're doing them with straighter legs. And that makes sense. You also have, uh, let's go back a little bit because we were talking about the glute max, the, the glute medius, the posterior fibers on the glute medius will be, um, will help to extend, but they're not big hip extensors. They don't do a lot of, of hip extension, but they assist with it. It's a muscle that contributes to hip extension. So that would be something to consider as well. And it's a potential that the glute medius anterior fibers can also contribute slightly to hip flexion. So that is a fan-shaped muscle on the lateral side of the hip. And so because of the fan shape of the muscle, then different angles of the fiber can assist in different joint actions. So we've got glute max, the glute medius, the hamstrings, which are the semimembranosus, semitendinosus, and the biceps femoris. And then we have one of the adductor muscles. Pump the brakes, Rick. Now I can't trust you because you already told me that all of the adductors do hip flexion. So how can it do hip extension as well? I know, tricky, but in the same way that the glute medius anterior fibers can assist a bit with hip flexion, posterior adduct, uh, glute medius fibers can assist with extension. The adductor magnus, magnus means it's big, and it runs from the anterior ramus towards the pubis on the bottom of the pelvis, and then it runs all the way back to the posterior. Uh, portion of the ramus of, and, and so for instance, if you've ever done squats and you feel like the inside of your thighs, your posterior adductors, and a lot of times people think that they're hamstrings, but then they do a hamstring stretch and they don't feel that stretch. But if they prop their 
their leg up on something like a Captain Morgan stance with your foot up on a bench, and then you lean forward and get a stretch, the knee is flexed. And then as you go into greater hip flexion, all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, that's it. Well, that's not a hamstring stretch. That is an adductor magnus stretch. The adductor magnus posterior fibers are a huge contributor to hip extension. They're a big contributor to hip extension. And so the different way that we engage these fibers through different types of exercises, uh, different muscles being engaged, they are all contributing to hip extension. But here's the thing. We focus so much on strengthening our hip extensors, and we rarely focus on strengthening our hip flexors because we talk about how tight they are. But to be honest, tight muscles can be incredibly weak. And so if you have weak hip flexors, it is important to focus on strengthening them. And if you're not sure which ones to strengthen, then, then these are uh, assessments that you could probably go into. There are assessments that you could go into a diet and identify which one is which, but sometimes that tight psoas that can even be creating discomfort in the back can be underactive, even though it's hyper-facilitated. It's not strong. It can be very weak. And I got to be honest, I've, I've looked at a lot of people and I've done tests where I've stretched, uh, I do a, a Thomas test and, 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 and I look and I, I see that they have terrible hip extension and we can narrow it down to the psoas and the iliacus being very tight. But then I go and I do a muscle strength technique to see if they are overactive and strong. And so often they're so weak. And so we got to do both. And that's weird, right? But I want to, to, to stretch a muscle out, but I also want to provide strength to it. So I want it to get stronger in a lengthened position and feel comfortable going into a lengthened position instead of stopping in a shortened position. So strengthening and lengthening, I think, is really valuable for what it is that we do. So anyway, that's, uh, that's the focus for today is an anatomy review, focusing on hip flexors and talking a little bit about hip extensors. I hope that you found it, I don't know, somewhat interesting. It got a little hairy at some points in there. So if it went too deep into the weeds, I apologize. Thank you so much for listening. Like, subscribe, share with your fitness friends and family, and keep inspiring people to fitness. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so. You can just say, hey, you can give me some ideas and topics that you would like to hear me talk about. You can do that by hitting me up on Instagram at dr.rickritchie or email me at rick.richie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.